This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's good? Thank you so much for tuning in once again to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. We are going to be joined by Alan True. He's a national analyst who covers recruiting in the Midwest. We're going to talk Big Ten, and he put in a crystal ball pick recently for a Pac-12 school. We're also going to be talking to Gabe Brooks, who covers the great state of Texas, to break down all of the big prospects from the Elite 11 Finals that he's going to be keeping an eye on, as well as a big week for Mississippi State in the state of Texas. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to be featured on a future mailbag episode. We've got a special treat for you later this week, our first ever mailbag episode where our team of analysts will answer reader questions. So if you want to get in on the fun in the future, please leave a five-star review with your recruiting question, and we'll do our best to answer it. Before we catch up with Alan True, let's begin with the kickoff. In case you missed it late last week, the Division I Council has extended the recruiting dead period in all sports through August 31st. What does that mean for recruiting? No in-person visits, no in-person evaluations until September at the very earliest. The 2021 cycle has been on record pace in terms of early commitments, and we could see that continue to rise in the coming months as recruits aim to take their spot in recruiting classes. So it's going to be very interesting in the next couple weeks to see how that adjusts, how that that time frame for a lot of the prospects that might be waiting until they're able to take a closer look at some of their options and whether or not they lose the patience, right? Whether or not they see spots filling up in, in at a school that they wanted to go to, or if that forces some recruits to even push it even further back, uh, the timeframes, the timelines, all that is going to be very interesting to track. And we are now joined by Alan True. He covers Midwest recruiting for 24 seven sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Alan True. Alan, how are you doing? Doing great, Blair. Happy to be on again. Yeah, no, we, we had you to kick things off. Uh, it's been a little slower in the Midwest. Uh, you know, we've been having to bring in a, a lot of guests from the Southeast, from the West Coast, uh, some Texas, a lot of Northeast. There's been a lot of activity in Brian Doan territory. Uh, so happy to have you back on to discuss some things that have been going down in the Big Ten as well as a crystal ball pick for a school out West that we're going to get into in, in a moment. But I did want to start with Michigan. They have a top 10 class as things stand heading into the, the summer. Uh, they had a couple commitments actually out West recently that we wanted to discuss. Four-star defensive lineman Quentin Somerville and composite four-star wide receiver Christian Dixon. Somerville's from the state of Arizona. Dixon's from the state of California. Let's start with Somerville. You know, I, I cover him very closely. And a thing that stuck out to me when I spoke to him about his commitment to the Wolverines was when he got on the phone and he dialed up Jim Harbaugh 
he said that Harbaugh was in his front lawn mowing the lawn shirtless and he had to drop what he was doing. He dropped the, 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 the lawnmower and, and ran around shirtless. That kind of speaks to Jim Harbaugh's energy and effort still in the recruiting trail and, and how he's getting things done. I feel like he still has that pull. He does, and I think he, he initially came out of the gate. There was pictures of him shirtless at camp. He was climbing trees. He was, uh, I think he was go-kart. Yeah, he was holding sleepovers, remember that, where he was kind of maneuvering the some of the rules and he was having sleepovers at recruits' homes because of the of the 24-hour window and he didn't want to have to travel too far to go to the next recruits' in-home visit. I mean, he was doing a lot of different things to to garner some of those national headlines. Yeah, and he, he was, you know, they were that's when they were doing uh, I think a satellite camp every day for an entire month before the rules got changed. So he came out of the gate doing that and then I think slowed up on those kinds of things a little bit. Um, I felt like we can just go out and recruit now uh, in a more standard way. And I think he's kind of bringing that back a little bit now. And I think that the um, shutdown has allowed him to Zoom with recruits. I think it's uh, almost kind of reinvigorated him in the process. I think it it lends to his personality, right? It does, and the personality of the staff. So I think that this this they've Michigan has really navigated uh, the shutdown very well. They've navigated the virtual recruiting very well, and there was a just maybe a tinge of negativity as this pandemic was starting. They had taken some sleepers from the Northeast that had people wondering like, why are they taking these guys? A couple in-state kids went elsewhere, and at the time we were all kind of saying, well, let's just wait and see how this plays out. And as it has played out, and as the class has gone along become a great class you mentioned it being in the top 10 and based on some of the targets that are still left on the board I think that it can easily stay in the top 10 when this thing is done and and maybe even push for top five if things break the right way yeah the number two class in the big 10 behind rival Ohio State they have the number seven overall class as things stand right now in the team rankings and what you look for and I know Steve Wilfong, the director of recruiting, has been pointing this out, and it's a big point of emphasis for him, is the per-average ranking per commit, right? So they're sitting around uh, 89 in the 89 range. That's where you want to be. You want to be in the 90 range where you're averaging a, a four-star commit, essentially, right, per per commit in the class. Uh, so I think Michigan's doing a good job there. They they were able to add Christian Dixon this last week, like I mentioned, a four-star receiver from Modern Day High School out in California. And Coach Gaddis, Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, also receivers coach, did a lot of heavy lifting here, beating a, a lot of the West Coast programs for him. Uh, and I think it's it's another indication of of Gaddis's power in terms of being able to go in and, and sell his vision for what that offense could be. Well, he's always been known as a great recruiter. Alabama, Penn State, all of his stops, he's been known as a very smart, personable guy who can get on the trail and land some big-time recruits. He was so new at Michigan before and into the last cycle that he didn't really have anything to show those guys. And now with this group, he has a year under his belt to show them this is, what, this is where we're headed with the offense. It was only the first year, but these are some of the things that I'm starting to implement. And he was able to kind of put his money where his mouth was in the last recruiting class. He talked a ton about speed and space. They recruited nothing but guys who could run. And so I think now you move that into this class and you have a guy who already was a good recruiter who now can tell these offensive recruits, I'm the play caller. 
This is my plan for you. I can show you some things. And, oh, by the way, has a top-ranked quarterback recruit in J.J. McCarthy to also sell these skill guys. And I think when you combine all of that together, um, it's no surprise that some of these skill players are signing up or, or looking to do so. The Elite 11 Finals kick off this week, and you mentioned J.J. McCarthy, the five-star quarterback from IMG Academy in Florida, obviously committed to, to Michigan. If a quarterback like that goes to an event like the Elite 11 Finals, comes out as the winner, let, let's hypothetically say that J.J. goes in there, wins the Elite 11 Finals, is the top dog. How much does that propel a program like Michigan to continue to, to attract some of these offensive recruits? Well, I think recruits will pay attention to it. And also at a time right now where there's really not a whole lot going on, these kids are going to be looking this week to see uh, you know, what the, the pecking order is down there. And I also think for JJ, it's a chance to build some confidence heading into a new school at IMG where the competition level is going to be higher than what he saw at Nazareth Academy in Illinois the last two years. There's also like some jockeying at our, the top of our national board with those quarterbacks. Um, I think we still feel like JJ's a, a top-end guy, but there's some other quarterbacks who have crept into his range or are, are looking to overtake him. And I think he could sort of reestablish himself this week as, as be a guy who's ranked exactly where he should be or a guy who should be a little bit higher. And so when I think you put all that together, it's definitely going to be something that offensive recruits will take note of. And, and like I said, there's only a couple left on the board from Michigan, but they're big ones. We're joined by Alan True. He covers Midwest recruiting for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Alan True. Alan, from Michigan to Ohio State, when you're talking about the per-commit average, it's extremely high, and, and it seems like they might be running away with the, the recruiting title right now. They, they lose Devontae Smith, a, a highly coveted cornerback from the state of Ohio. What are we hearing on Smith? What's the next step for him? Well, uh, the crystal ball is all pointing towards Alabama. Uh, and I think that the plan for him is to make another decision in, in somewhat in the near future. I do think there are going to be some other schools that try to slow him up and uh, maybe try to sneak into that race here. But everything is pointing towards Alabama right now. Um, so we'll see if anybody else can, can maybe slow that process down for him. But um, I, I think he's going to be a member of the Crimson Tide class in the not too distant future. So an SEC top dog going into the Midwest, potentially to steal one away from the Ohio State Buckeyes. We had another SEC program, the national champion LSU Tigers, go into the Midwest recently to get a highly coveted, highly regarded offensive lineman, Garrett Dellinger. Uh, we were talking off air, Alan, about LSU's recruiting pool. Now that they are the champs, they're able to go into some other parts of the country the running back commit is from the state of Ohio. They've got their top rated commit is from the state of California. And now they're adding another piece from Michigan. Yeah, they, they always have kind of maybe snuck into the Midwest a little bit, especially for offensive linemen. Joe Barksdale way back and then uh, Ethan Posich and then recently Anthony Bradford. But it's always just been kind of picking off a guy here or there. And I think that they could start really building some momentum here with Garrett Dellinger. They did an excellent job recruiting him. Um, they got him on campus late in November for an unofficial visit, which really helped matters. They really did a great job of keeping in contact with him. He talked about how they were FaceTiming him from the field uh, before their semifinal playoff game. And, and then he was in a unique situation where he was at home during the shutdown, but his father was deployed in Iraq. He works with the government. And LSU was one of the schools that was able to get on Zoom 
and still connect with dad, even though he was overseas at that time, he's actually back in the States now. But I think that building that relationship and really getting personal with Garrett Dellinger, even though he was further away, helped them beat out some of the schools that were more local. I also think that as an army kid, he was used to traveling around the distance from home, didn't bug him. And the chance to be developed by coach Craig, it just put four offensive linemen in the NFL and obviously winning the national title, all of those things. Uh, was the perfect storm for Dellinger. You know, LSU went into the the state of of Utah a couple years ago, and they got Siaki Ika, a four star defensive tackle, and and that that was very rare, right? When I was speaking to the head coach at Salt Lake City East, where Ika played, he he was shocked that LSU was going out there to to meet with Ika, and and obviously Ika was able to get on the field as a true freshman last year, make an impact right away for LSU on their way to the national championship. He also went out to California and got Elias Ricks, who had grown up a big LSU fan, but had always considered that USC would be his destination. He, he's a true freshman now at, LS, at LSU. Um, but, but, but when you look at what they did and, and how they did it with a guy like Joe Burrow, right. Who, who, who claims and, and really backs things up as a, as a guy from the state of Ohio, uh, do you feel like LSU now c- could be a potential roadblock for the likes of, of Michigan, for the likes of Ohio state and some of the other programs in the big 10 in, in that market that are now, you know, having to not only fend off schools like Alabama and I know Georgia goes up there quite a bit and, and tries to pull a lot of recruits, but now LSU can, can maybe go in there and get some reach as well. Yeah. I think it just depends on how much LSU is going to want to emphasize the Midwest. I think, you know, they've got pretty good talent in their, their home state and obviously in the Southeast and they can go over to Texas a little bit too. So I, I don't see the volume of kids in the Midwest being high, but they are going to come in and challenge for the top kids. And I think that's going to be where Michigan and Ohio state and, and Notre Dame and some of those schools that, and these schools all wanted Garrett Dellinger, by the way, um, that's where those schools are going to have to battle LSU. And, and LSU has done a good job of getting those kids down to campus. Um, and they're striking earlier on guys. They just offered tight end Jackson Howard from Minnesota, who's only a freshman going into his sophomore year. So in the past, you haven't seen LSU maybe offer a Midwest kid that early. Um, and, and they did here with Jackson. So I think they're, they're starting to see some momentum in the Midwest. So where I don't think it'll affect Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State, maybe as a whole, they will have to battle LSU for some top guys in the future. Yeah, they can be a little bit more selective as well. We are joined by Alan True, covers Midwest recruiting for us at 24-7 Sports. Like I said earlier, you can follow him on Twitter at Alan True. Alan, before we let you go, we got to go inside the crystal ball. You put in a pick recently for a player from the state of Wisconsin, Marcus Embo. He's a three-star offensive tackle, and you have him going to the Arizona State Sun Devils. Yeah, so speaking of a little momentum in the Midwest, we talked about it with LSU. Arizona State has some. They have a commit from Michigan. They have a commit from the state of Wisconsin, who's not too far away from where Embo plays, um, and they're offering a ton of kids in the 21, 22, and 23 classes in the Midwest, and they're having some success with those guys. So with Marcus, uh, I was on Nebraska and other people thought Iowa State as well. But from what I've heard, those schools maybe slid back a little bit. He's talking more about Arizona State and Virginia and possibly Michigan State. He said straight up recently that Arizona State was his best relationship. And I think the kids out here, when you talk about Arizona State, kind of knew, hey, Arizona State's warm. 
Uh, we can look up pictures of the campus. We see it's a beautiful place. But then when you add the NFL coaching staff, especially on the offensive line, when you got a guy like Kevin Mawai there, um, and then it goes up to Herm Edwards, these are names that these kids can recognize or at least look pretty impressive once they Google these names. I know some of them are a little younger than you and I, so they have to Google who Kevin Mawai and Herm Edwards are. But it comes back with some impressive results. So I think when you when you put all that together, they've got a young uh, recruiting staff as well. That's helping the off the field staff is. So when I put all that together um, and, and Mark is saying that he has the best relationship with them, that's why I put the pick in. He's going to take all five officials in the fall leads. That's the plan right now. Arizona state will be one of them. So this isn't one where I put in the pick and I think, Hey, this is about to happen coming up or another school can't maybe change that position. But uh, as things stand right now, I had to get off Nebraska and Arizona state's the school that I think he feels the most comfortable with at the moment. All right, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to, to speaking with you again soon. No problem, Blair. Always a pleasure. All right, that's Alan True. Like I said, you could follow him on Twitter, at Alan True, for all your Midwest recruiting info at 24-7 Sports. Stay right here. We're about to talk with Gabe Brooks about the state of Texas. You are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am Blair Angulo, now joined by another special guest. He is Gabe Brooks. He covers the great states of Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma for 24-7 Sports. Gabe, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. We're uh, obviously you know, trying to break everything down and, and, and discuss all the latest buzz and activity, and you had quite a bit of activity go down th- this last week. Let's start with Mississippi State going into the state of Texas for their third commitment already in the 2021 cycle. Yeah, uh, this, the staff that Mike Leach has assembled at uh, Mississippi State, uh, they're, they're really emphasizing the state of Texas more. And it's something um, in recent years we've really seen uh, a lot of out-of-state, out not just out-of-state uh, from immediate like bordering states, you know, like LSU and Arkansas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. but these, I guess you would call out of region schools, really emphasizing uh, recruiting the state of Texas more. And uh, Mississippi State has is, is capitalized on that so far. And, uh, you know, with Mike Leach's name of uh, carrying some weight in the Lone Star State, that certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, and, the, he's, you know, he's got a couple staffers who have been who have recruited the state of Texas before as well. And, uh, they, you know, they picked up Theodore Knox. A uh, four-star uh, slot receiver uh, from the Woodlands, which is a big 6A program uh, in the Houston metro area. Now Knox is originally from uh, Baton Rouge, uh, but he moved to uh, Greater Houston before his junior year. He's, I think, on paper, he's the fastest uh, track athlete in Texas high school football in this 2021 class. He. He's got a 10-4-0 100-meter time from his sophomore year, a 21-0-3 200-meter time. He's been verified at 4-4-2 as a sophomore in the 40, uh, so he can really fly. 
and uh, he'll, he'll fit well as a slot type in that that air raid offense. But he's you know they've got three three commitments for Mississippi State in Texas in this class. The other two are quarterbacks. Uh, another four star Sawyer Robertson and Daniel Greek, a three star quarterback from uh, Liberty Christian and Argyle, which is in the Dallas uh, Fort Worth Metroplex. And and they may not be done. There's a couple more guys that states trying to uh, get from uh, here in Texas. Uh, Cannon Boone is an offensive lineman uh, who, who's from the Houston area, uh, from Dickinson High School between Houston and Galveston. And uh, Dwayne Lofton is another guy that's definitely on their radar. He's from Fort Worth Northside, uh, and he he's one that that could could possibly play. Uh, receiver or DB, just depending on what you need him to do. So Mississippi State's been really active in Texas compared to years past, and and uh, there's more targets out there on the board for them. Yeah, it's an interesting time, obviously, with the pandemic being the, that that it has shut down a lot of the in person visits. It has it has shut down evaluations. But if there's one thing that you can maybe dissect on video or, or reading a spreadsheet it is that fast 40 time. And we love that. We, we know that Michael Leach loves himself some speed, especially at that slot position in the air raid. What, what do you envision from Knox being able to translate that into the SEC where he's going to be able to match up against, you know, some physical defenses? How do you see his game translating to the next level? Well, the thing for him is is that he's going to be able to, uh, especially if he's given a free release, he's going to be able to stack a DB pretty quick and and get over the top in the vertical passing game. I, I think something that he, he will need to work on is a little more lateral fluidity, um, some route running suddenness, especially in the short to intermediate passing game because he's got the straight line athleticism. Uh, I mean, he is a serious burner uh, as a straight line sprinter. And, and his sophomore year when he was at, at Southern Lab in Baton Rouge, that really uh, showed on tape. And his junior year transitioning over to Texas, playing 6A ball in Texas, I think he was a little banged up too. There wasn't quite the pop on tape that there was his sophomore year, but uh, he also got, you know, he missed the, the last several games of the year with a, I think it was an ankle injury. So, you know, I'm anxious to see how he does this this fall and see if he's kind of expanded his uh, his his whole athletic profile in the sense of uh, being a better athlete laterally, um, showing a little more uh, receiver instinct and acumen. Uh, because from a speed standpoint, that's going to translate no matter the conference, even the SEC, known for you know the the, the defensive athleticism and speed on that side of the ball. He has the speed that he's going to be able to beat guys in, in matchups, uh, and and if he can if he can get better as a just a natural receiver, and and from a technique standpoint, it's he's going to be pretty dangerous. We're joined by Gabe Brooks. He covers everything in the state of Texas. He covers Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi. I mean, he's all over the place uh, down down south. Gabe. Uh, obviously Mississippi State right now in the 40 range I think they're number 41 in the team rankings this is just uh, uncharted territory in terms of what Michael Leach was experiencing at a place like Washington State which is really difficult to recruit to it's it's hard for recruits to go up there and visit Pullman which is on the east part of of, of the state of Washington uh obviously 
not going to be in the top tier right now. I think he's going to have to see some results on the field to be in that top half of the SEC. Uh, but it's a really good start for them. Just, you know, even given the fact that the, the pandemic has created a lot of potential roadblocks for these programs, especially in a first year staff that uses that spring, uses the summer months to create those relationships with recruits. So obviously those fans in, at Mississippi State have a lot to be optimistic about given that they've been able to accomplish what they have uh, during the current situation. So uh, it's going to be interesting to monitor what Leach does, especially now that he's got that rivalry with, with Lane Kiffin. And, and you know, we, we saw them kind of joke around during a press conference this last week. So I think it's going to be just the start of of something really fun for, for both of those programs. Uh, let's switch gears, Gabe, now to the Elite 11 Finals, which kick off this week, and it's it's well represented by the state of Texas. So the Elite 11 Finals will feature Auburn commit Demetrius Davis, Tennessee commit Caden Salter, LSU commit Garrett Nussmeyer, Baylor commit Chiron Drones, Texas Tech commit Baron Morton, as well as a couple other players from the state of Texas, Grayson James and Maddox Kopp. Of the committed prospects, Demetrius Davis, who's, who's going to Auburn, Caden Salter, Garrett Nussmeyer, Kyron Drones, and, and Baron Morton, is there one that you feel has the most to prove heading into this week? You know, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see Baron Morton uh, in a an elite camp setting against some of these other uh, big-name quarterbacks from Texas. He's somebody who plays – he plays for Eastland High School, which is uh, a small – it's a 3A-level high school, um, I believe, Abilene area. So it's – you know, once you get west of I-35, it the it, it, you know, there's not near as much uh, fanfare, I guess would be the word, uh, for a lot of these guys because they're not in the, the quote-unquote Texas Triangle, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and the interstates connecting those three. Uh, but it's going to be fun to watch, uh, to, to, you know, to see how he compares to these guys because his game tape, obviously, playing at the 3A level, he's pretty dominant. You can see the functional athleticism and the playmaking ability and off-schedule ability, uh, all of that uh, on tape. It's just it'll be interesting to see how he matches up with, you know, Demetrius Davis, who is maybe the most decorated active player in Texas high school football as the starting quarterback of the back-to-back Class 6A Division I state champion North Shore Mustangs, who are one of the best high school programs in the country. Kyron Drones, the starting quarterback at Shadow Creek in the Houston area, which is the defending 5A Division I state champion. Uh, Caden Salter, starting quarterback at Cedar Hill, which has won three state championships at the 6A level since 2006. I mean, you can go down the line, and the, some of these guys are this, you know, these are the guys at the helm of some name programs with a ton of talent. They face a ton of talent in practice. They face a ton of talent in games. And and it'll be interesting to see how Morton, who, you know, really dominates the level of play he's in, uh, stacks up physically, uh, performance-wise, all of the above against some of these guys who are uh, playing for these bigger name high school programs. I remember reading a lot of the reports coming out of the Future 50 event down in Orlando, Florida to kick off the new year. And that's that's a marquee event for a lot of underclassmen, uh, players that could potentially get invites to the Under Armour All-America game. And, and I remember Demetrius Davis, who is now committed to Auburn, 
had you know struggled in that week of workouts. There was a lot of question marks about his, his arm strength, uh, his accuracy. You know, from a stature standpoint, he's not the biggest or the prototypical quarterback that you would envision. Um, but you you put on the tape and and he's making play after play. He's airing the ball downfield. Uh, he's he's really aware in the pocket. He's able to make throws on the run. An event like the Elite Eleven Finals might not suit what he does best, which is improvise, right, and be kind of a, a creative player. Uh, do you feel like he's got things to work on? What, what would you like to see out of a, a player like Demetrius Davis? Yeah, I think that there's a point. Uh, I, I think that people who say that it may not be the best setting for a player like him, they may have a point because he's so good when plays break down. Um, his feel for the game is is very good uh, as far as, you know, rolling out, making off-schedule throws, killing uh, killing defenses in the scramble drill. Um, you, you know, the the legend of, of Demetrius Davis really started – in December of 2018, when he made a 45-yard touchdown throw with no time remaining in the 6A D1 state title game to beat Duncanville on the final play of the game. And it's that, you know, he knew he had to get it to the end zone, but the way he bought time and stepped into it and threw the ball at the exact spot it needed to go, it's just a microcosm of the feel he has for the game. And, you know, it, it, it will be good. It'll be encouraging if he has a big – uh, performance at Elite 11. Um, you know, I, I do think camps, you know, they're important and they, they're extra data. I think that's the biggest thing is that they're extra data uh, when you're evaluating these guys. But um, perhaps more so than any other position, I I put game situation um, really far and away. I mean, it's, it's far and away most important regardless, but especially at the quarterback position. Um, you know, if a guy has a, you know, underwhelming camp thing, but he's an absolutely dominant quarterback in game situations, then I'm not going to worry too much about the uh, the camp stuff personally. Yeah. And and if he performs, well, it could just be a cherry on top, right, of what he's exactly. able to do because he's got all the other traits that you like you like in a quarterback, the, the leadership skills, just the, the guttiness, um, him able to face defenses and, and really – drive his 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 side of the uh his side to the down down the field right I, just popping his tape I, I just see a gamer a guy that likes to go out there and just lead his troops down the field so it'll be interesting to see what he's able to accomplish at the elite 11 finals and and you know continue to to give auburn fans some some hope there for for the quarterback position gabe uh, i really appreciate you join, joining us and hopping on the podcast once again we we look forward to, to speaking to you again soon thanks man i appreciate it take care all right, that's Gabe Brooks. You can follow him on Twitter at Gabriel D. Brooks. He covers everything in the state of Texas and the surrounding states. A reminder, folks, this coming Thursday, we will have our first mailbag episode where we will have the team of analysts answer reader questions, the ones that you've submitted in five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you want to be a part of the next mailbag episode, remember to do so. Please leave a review, rate, subscribe, and tell your friends. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.